Welcome to the C3 Coffs Harbour podcast. Today's message is a recording from our online service. To join our online church community, visit c3ch.online.church and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the message. Welcome everybody to week six of our Bible study through the book of Romans. Um, We are you know, six weeks deep and still only just turning the pages into chapter two. And um, just want to thank everybody for the feedback. They've been getting a lot out of this. I know I've been getting a lot out of this. Uh, there is such a richness to Paul's writing to the church in Rome. And um, yeah, I'm just loving uh, seeing uh, what God is doing through the scripture in our lives together uh, in, in this time. So uh, today we're going to jump into chapter two. And you've spoken and I've listened. Justin, you're taking far too long to get through the book of Romans. Any chance you could speed it up a little bit? Well, your wish is my command. We're going to do a whole chapter today. That's right, a whole chapter. It might have taken us five weeks to get through one, but we're going to get through one whole chapter today. So all jokes aside, um, if you haven't caught up with uh, the Roman series or this is your first time, please jump on our Spotify or our iTunes and uh, listen to the podcast back again. I'd love for you to um, get up to speed with what we've been learning through the book of Romans. Um, but really, my whole heartbeat for this series is that we would uh, get a solid grounding in God's Word. And when we have a solid grounding in God's Word, then that actually helps us have a solid grounding in um, our, our identity as God's children. That it would cement in us who we are in Christ, whose we are as God's children, and what we have as heirs of the throne of heaven. And so uh, it's really quite exciting to be doing this with you. And um, I guess, look, to be really honest, I had this thought this week. My heart in in all of this, in uh, and there's many things we could be talking about in this time, and um, I, I don't want to labor on the same thing each and every week, but but really my heart in, in this series is for... Um, is for all of us, and myself included, to have, have our worldview shaped by the one who shaped the world and gave us the ability to view it. Okay, Because all of us have a worldview. All of us see the world and interact with the world and understand the world through a, a certain lens. And, and, and my heartbeat and I guess my job is to help you and to help myself to uh, have our worldview shaped by the one who shaped the world and gave us the ability to view it. And sadly, so many people have their worldview shaped by how others view the world. And so whatever they read in a book or view on a podcast, or have their favorite commentators say certain things about different issues, um, they will form the way that they view the world through how somebody else views the world. But I want to bring us all back and centralize us around God's word so that we can view the world around us through the one who shaped the world that gave us the ability to then view the world. So, all that philosophy aside, let's jump into Romans chapter 2. And I'm just going to um, jump through a few verses. There's a couple of key th- thoughts I want to draw out of this uh, that I think are going to be really helpful for you and for me in our lives. So, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, talks about when we judge other people 
um, for doing things that we ourselves do, we are simply condemning ourselves. So again, this is talking about you know entry-level hypocrisy when we uh, judge someone else for being a certain type of person, doing a certain type of thing, and we ourselves do those things, then we actually uh, condemn ourselves in the process. And and what what I guess we can glean from here is. Especially when we look at chapter 1 and the list of sins that Paul uh, unpackages, especially in the back end of chapter 1, um, we can find ourselves um, in church circles cherry-picking other people's sins and comparing ourselves against that. And we can go, oh, well, uh, that person is wrong for doing that. That person shouldn't be behaving like that. They shouldn't be thinking like that. And because I don't think like that or because I don't behave like that or because I don't do that thing, I'm okay. But I guess that that's what I call playing in the sandpit of sins, where we just simply compare other people's behaviors and lifestyles and we, 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 we position that against ourselves and we weigh up to be not so bad and we think we're doing okay. But I kind of think this is exactly what Paul's addressing here, is addressing sandpit sins, where we look at the sins of other people, whereas we need to take a bird's eye view and look at the, the greater condition, which is sin which is the condition of the brokenness of the human soul, which is why we need to be born again and have faith in Jesus, that, that all of us are born into sin. And it might manifest itself in different ways and different things, depending on how uh, our own proclivity to, uh, to certain lifestyles and behaviors. But ultimately, we are all marred by this uh, corruption of the soul called sin, which separates us from God. And so if we go around pointing the finger at other people, um, we actually condemn ourselves because we are all guilty of sin. And we'll see in chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we ought not then look down our nose at other people because they're doing certain things that we might not do, when in reality it's not about just cherry-picking certain sins, it's about looking at that bigger picture to go, crap, we, know we are all sinners, and, and we are only saved by God's grace alone. And then in verse 4, um, it says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads to your repentance? That, that, you know, when, when we judge other people for their sin and think that we're okay, not only do we condemn ourselves, but we actually show contempt for the patience, tolerance and kindness that God displays for us. Because it was God's kindness, God's tolerance and God's patience with us that led us to our repentance. Right here, it's the kindness of God that led you and led me to repentance. Therefore, we ought to show kindness, tolerance and patience to other people in the hope that they would then find repentance. That we should be modeling to others what God has modeled to us. That he has forgiven us much and therefore we should show grace much, much to those around us. And this got me thinking about um, the parable that Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 18. And it's the, the parable of the unforgiving uh, servant. And to bring it into modern day terms, basically what happens is a business owner comes into one of his contractors and says, Hey buddy, you owe me um, $10,000 worth of outstanding invoices. I need you to pay those immediately. And the contractor says, Hey listen, really hard times right now. Um, GFC is hit. You know, things are crazy. I don't have that ten grand um, to, to pay you. I'm really sorry about that, but I just don't have that sort of money lying around. And then, you know, the, the business guy goes, Oh look, look, I understand that look, we're, we're copying it tough too with this uh, economic climate right now. I'll tell you what, um, let's just leave this one. It'll be sweet. 
I'm sure in the future when business builds back up again, we can you know, enter back into an agreement and we can sort something out. And this contractor's like, oh, thank you so much. That's, that's incredible. I really appreciate that. Then that same contractor goes to someone who owes him money, $100, and says, where's my 100 bucks, bro? I need my 100 bucks. And he's like, oh, I don't have much money. Um, the GFC's hit me hard. I can barely put food on the table for my family. I, I honestly don't have the money right now. And he's like, I don't care. You will find that money. Give me that money. I want my money. And then the, the, the business guy comes in and goes, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Surely you should show this guy grace like I showed you grace. Who do you think you are to receive this great forgiveness of debt but then not pass that on to somebody beneath you? And so that's, that's the, the, the principle we get of God's kingdom because that's the purpose of parables, right? Is to reveal principles of how God's kingdom works. That when God forgives us of such a great thing of sin that we ought to then show grace and mercy to others who need that grace and mercy and forgiveness of sin shown to them. And so um, I, guess, I guess what I want us to realize is we shouldn't just be walking around throwing shade at other people. Rather, we should be throwing light on other people. Love, grace, patience, tolerance. Now, that doesn't mean we agree with somebody's lifestyle. That doesn't mean we, we don't call sin for what it is. Absolutely, we measure sin according to God's standard of truth. But, but it's God's standard of truth that that person's going to be held account to, not our judgment of them or not our opinion of them. That's up to, to God to sort of. Our job is just simply to, to, to not, like I said, uh, cast shade, but to cast light on that person and show them the love and grace and mercy that God has shown us in the hope that they would receive that for themselves. Verse 5 says, But because of your stubbornness, which is this impenitence we talked about last week, right? It's this, this degradation of humanity that we were once, you know, um, intelligent and then we became ignorant and then we became indulgent. And that led to this impenitence or this stubbornness of our of our heart to, to not change, um, even though we knew who God was, we rejected him. Um, uh, verse 5 says, Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So, again, this is this warning um, about how we um, are judging other people and, and, and viewing that. We need to be really careful um, that we are not stubborn in heart or prideful. Uh, verse 6, God will give to each person according to what he has done. And so again, uh, going back to last week's message, we looked about how uh, human rejection leads to God's punishment of people. Right? That's the wrath of God that we looked at. But we also looked at how human acceptance of God leads to God's adoption as his children into his family. And so in the first 10 verses here in Romans chapter 2, we see the results or what we can expect of those who reject God as opposed to those who accept God. So here it is, those who, those who reject God and will reap punishment, this is what they can expect. In verse 5, wrath. In verse 8, wrath and anger. And in verse 9, those who reject God can expect trouble and distress. That's just what happens when we, when we choose to, to, to know God and God has revealed himself through the created order in chapter 1 and we still reject him. Well, this is what happens on the other side of that. However, for those who accept God and then are adopted into his uh, family, this is what we can expect also in verse 4. Kindness, tolerance, patience, 
Verse 7, eternal life. There's a bonus. And verse 10, glory, honor, and peace. So these are the things. It's like Deuteronomy says, I labor before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose. And that is just the, this picture of God's love, is that he's got his order, he's got his way of doing things, he's set before us um, this life, and we have the opportunity to choose whether we're going to reject him or accept him. And on the back end of those decisions are consequences. And you and I have an opportunity in this one life we get to make a decision either for God or against God. And whichever decision we make, we have to be cool with the fact that there are consequences to those decisions that we have made. That God hasn't forced his wrath upon us. God hasn't forced his love upon us. But God gives us a chance to choose how it is we want to live our life. Verse 11. This is a clincher. God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't prefer one person over another. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is whoever mentality in the kingdom of God. That God loves people. God loves humanity. And God wants to pour his grace and love and peace and hope and eternal life into whoever will choose to accept him and follow him. Verse 13 Again, puts it back on us. It's not those who hear the law that are righteous. So it's not those who just hear the word of God preached. It's not those who just hear worship songs through their, their, their earphones and have this quiet time. It's not those who hear the word through reading. It's not those who hear the word by coming to church and, and, and you know, being surrounded by Christian influences. It's not that, 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 that someone is made righteous, but it's those who obey the law will be declared righteous. It's those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Salvation comes by faith alone, but faith alone then pushes that boulder of salvation down the hill where works and good deeds become the momentum that project our life forward. And this, this thought of obedience is what we have learned that the book of Romans really um, brings up time and time again. In fact, Paul top and tails the book in verse uh, 5 of chapter 1, and in the very second last uh, verse of this book, chapter 16, verse 26, it's this thought of obedience that comes from faith. That faith alone is great, and that's what gives us access to God, but then the outworking of that is this obedience and trusting God. And, and, and even though when things don't look good, or things don't look easy, or things aren't nice, we are still going to be obedient, we're still going to trust Him, because we know that He is kind tolerant, faithful, and merciful to us. And then um, verse 17 through to verse 21, the, the back half of chapter 2, uh, really Paul is, is rebuking hypocrisy. Um, simply saying, you know, if, if you believe me, if you believe the gospel, don't just tell other people they should believe it too, but live it out yourself. Um, make sure that, that you are living out by obedience what you're telling others they should be believing. And I think so often as Christians, we can be guilty of that. We can sort of have this, this notion of evangelism where we just tell people to believe in God. But, you know, I, I think the picture that James paints is, is beautiful in um, chapter 2, verse 18, where he says, I want to show you my faith by my works. I don't want to just tell you how good God is or just tell you this theory about God. I want you to see it through my life. I want you to see it through how I discipline my, my life and and how I treat other people, how responsive I am to what the Word of God teaches, that it's, it's far more than just a theory, but it's a reality that I live in each and every day. 
So in summary, chapter 2 really boils down to two things for me. Um, The first thing is how God sees us and how God treats us. And the second thing that chapter 2 sort of exposes is how we see other people and how we treat other people. Um, So I just want us to remember what what Jesus taught um, in Matthew chapter 18, the, the parable of the unmerciful servant who... Um, you know, he was forgiven much debt from someone he owed a lot of money, a lot of money to, but he refused to show that same grace and mercy to someone who owed him just a fraction. And so, so that for us is, you know, getting our eyes to a place of saying, you know, I'm, I'm righteous in God's sight because of what He has done for me, and it's not because of anything I have done. It is faith alone, not my works alone, not because I've got these incredible talents or abilities, but it's just faith in, in, in Jesus alone that has poured out his grace alone so that my whole life would then give him glory alone. And so what, what forgiveness and grace and mercy we have received, we should pour out to other people. That, that we actually condemn ourselves if we judge other people for their lifestyle, not realizing that it, we ourselves are, are sinners as well, saved only by God's grace. So my hope is that we would open our eyes to see people, see others in a much different light, in a, in a grace-filled light, rather than being judgmental. And also think of um, you know, the Good Samaritan is another picture of this, right? Like Luke chapter 10 talks about the, the story of the Good Samaritan and um, how you know, there was a man who was um, beaten, battered, bruised. He was just totally you know, left for dead and... These people just walked past and saw him, like, oh, whatever, I'll catch you later. And um, that's awkward. You, you don't look like me. You're not like me. You're from a different racial um, demographic than I am. You're from a different socioeconomic background from me. I'm just going to leave you there. Off I go. And they walk around him and ignore him. And look, so many times we can do that, right? As Christians, we can sort of have this edge of piety about us where we, we, we look at other people who don't think like we think, who don't behave like we behave, who don't, don't agree with us in, in what we, we believe to be true. And, and we can sort of then isolate ourselves from them and go, oh, okay, whatever. But the reality is everyone around us is, is like um, this man in the story who is beaten, battered and bruised by sin. It's the sinfulness of humanity that has been inherited from all of us Uh, to all of us from the very beginning of time that actually uh, damages us and helps us uh, stay disconnected from God. And it's only God's grace that has saved us and rescued us that we are now accepted into God's family. So we then ought to be like this good Samaritan that, that, that picks up people around us and doesn't judge them because they're different, doesn't judge them because they're messy, but says, hey, I've got something that I know could help you. And we pick them up and we serve them and we're generous with them, we're kind with them. We do whatever we can to, to help patch their wounds, meet their needs and show them an example of the grace of God that is flowing through us, that we show them them our faith by our works, not just by our empty words of religious jargon and things like that. Because the reality is, that's how we see Jesus treating people, right? I, I, I don't see Jesus rejecting people because they don't believe what he believed. I don't see people rejecting Jesus because um, they were of a different ethnicity to him. I don't see Jesus rejecting people because they, they were poorer than him or they, 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 they were richer than him or they looked different to him or they were socially awkward where he was eloquent or anything like that. I see Jesus actually moving slowly through the crowds and displaying grace and mercy and love 
and kindness and tolerance and gentleness in the hope that how he treats people would show them the love of God, that they have the opportunity to freely accept for themselves. And I think about the woman at the well who, you know, she was getting around town, so to speak, and, um, and, and, and she should have been heavily persecuted. There was a massive social punishment for people who would behave like they would sleep with multiple men's, uh, multiple wives' husbands. She was very promiscuous. And Jesus was super gracious to her, super kind. He didn't accept her, her behavior. He didn't accept her lifestyle, but he accepted her and, and, and treated her with dignity, treated her with kindness. And then the truth was, was portrayed through love where he said, hey, you know what? Now go sin no more. You're better than that. You don't need to do that sort of stuff. There's a higher way of living. There's a higher standard. And I'm going to love you enough to reveal that truth to you. And I think of, you know, again, Mary Magdalene um, was getting stoned because she was caught in the act of adultery. And, and Jesus positioned himself between her accusers and her and, and basically rescued her through his grace and through his mercy. Gave, again, once gave her dignity and lifted her up out of that situation and set her on a whole new life and a whole new trajectory. She wasn't the Pharisee that was, he wasn't the Pharisee judging her and condemning her. He was showing grace and mercy in action. Zacchaeus, another example. There's probably, I could think of dozens in the New Testament where Jesus had these beautiful, gracious interactions with people. Um, Zacchaeus, another one, not a popular guy. Um, he was a tax collector that would rip people off, steal from people, and, um, you know, and, and live this lavish lifestyle based on the, the corruption of his practices. And, and Jesus calls him out and says, hey, take me to your place. We're going to have lunch. We have no idea what happens. At that lunch, we have no idea what Jesus says or, or what goes on. But but if if I know Jesus through who the scriptures reveal him to be, then I can't help but think he was having a gracious, loving, truth in love conversation with Zacchaeus that resulted in at the end of that meal, Zacchaeus sold half of what he earned, paid back uh, fourfold all the debts uh, that he owed people from the money he stole from them and, and said, I will, I will pour out everything I have to help other people. Such a profound impact that Jesus had on him, assumedly because of his grace, because of his kindness, because of his mercy, that led to a massive repentant heart in Zacchaeus. And that's what we see in Romans chapter 2, that when we judge other people because of their sin, we condemn ourselves because we too were like them trapped in sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so then verse chapter 2 talks about God's kindness and God's tolerance that actually leads to our repentance. And that is the model that we are given in Jesus and through Paul's teaching of how to treat and interact with people around us. Not to isolate ourselves, not to segregate ourselves. We don't necessarily accept what other people do or, or how they live their life. Um, but it's not about them having our acceptance. It's about them receiving our grace and our love and our mercy, which will point them to an understanding where they can come before God and either accept him or reject him because God lays before us blessing and cursing and we choose. And you and I are simply called to be ambassadors, not called to be the judge, jury or executioner, but simply the heralds of hope to tell people about the goodness of God that we have discovered, that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn, but God freely poured into us. That's our job. That's our responsibility. So as we finish this message today, let me just pray for you, wherever you are, that this would encourage you, that this would set you free to embrace people who are not like you, to care for people who don't think the way you think, to um, be kind to people who disagree with you, and that we can be the bigger people and point 
uh, others to the love of Jesus that saved us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every single one of these people watching today. Lord, that you would just stir our affections for you and stir our affections for other people. Lord, that as we read in, in this chapter of Romans, that we get a clear picture of how you see us and how you treat us. And I pray that that would transform how we see others and how we treat other people. Lord, that we would not just any longer play in the sandpit of sins and cherry pick other people's behaviours versus our behaviours, but we would take a bigger view and see the, 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 the darkness of sin, the condition of the human soul without you that separates us from you, and that we would pour out our grace and our mercy to those around us in order they might, that they might see you clearly through us. Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you bless us? Would you equip us today? It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Hey, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never made a decision to follow him or perhaps you've um, maybe walked away for whatever reason and you find yourself feeling disconnected from Jesus, I would love you right now just to uh, click the button in the chat bar that says I commit my life to Jesus. Click the little raise hand um, button and we would love to get in contact with you and encourage you as you make a decision to step forward into uh, a life of following Jesus, a, a life that, that when you accept him will bring his kindness, tolerance, patience, eternal life, his glory, his honour and his peace into your world. There is so much to live for when we live for Jesus. There is so much we receive when we choose to follow after him. So if that's you today, you want to make a decision to follow him for the first time or recommit your life to him. Hey, would you click that today? Would you click that button? And would you put in maybe a live prayer request right now so that we can contact you and encourage you and pray with you even on this. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our online services, visit c3ch.online.church and come say hi on Facebook and Instagram.